So this morning, we are continuing our series on redemptive community, and um, I want to tell a story um, to start, and it's such an emotional story for me. Um, actually, I have a picture of the moment, but it was baptism night um, on campus at Edinburgh University. This was uh, about five years ago, and we filled up a tank with water, and we gave students an opportunity um, to declare that they were Team Jesus and uh, many of them did that night. And one student came down um, who the Kyle group affectionately called Blind Mike. That was what we called him. Um, and the reason why we called him that is because he had a disease that uh, made his vision deteriorate. So as a child, uh, he had glasses. And then as he grew older, um, his vision was uh, going you know, worse and worse, and, and they said by the time he was 25, it would be gone. Uh, he came to college with a cane. Many of you know Edinburgh University offers a lot of special services, um, so that's why he chose that university. And he uh, really came to his faith through Chi Alpha maybe a few weeks before, gave his life to Christ, and decided he was going to get in the tank and be baptized. And I remember uh, that moment, and we were um, baptizing him, and when he got out, he was sort of pointing and hugging and laughing with some friends, and, and we just thought that was very normal because um, that's, it's exciting to get baptized. You celebrate, you know, with the people that you love. Um, and it wasn't until later that evening, uh, Mike approached Joel and I, and he said, you know, when I got in that tank this morning, um, I was legally blind. But when I came out of the water... I don't know what happened, but I could see. And he, he looked across uh, the room we were standing in, and he read us the banner that was, you know, uh, 60 or 70 feet away, and he read us the banner from across the room. And Jesus healed him right there in our midst, right there. And it, w- it was a miracle. It was just like in the early church in Acts 2, miraculous signs and wonders. And in fact, uh, in the weeks and months to come, um, Blind Mike was renamed Not Blind Mike. People would actually <laughs> be like, hey, Not Blind Mike. Uh, he, he ditched his cane. In fact, at one point, he was driving his roommate's car around campus, which may or may not have been a good idea. We were like, okay. Uh, but he was walking around uh, campus like the healed man in the scriptures, telling everyone that would listen. He would get on the bus to go across campus to go to Walmart. He would say, I was blind, but now I see. <laughs> People would be like, who are you? But he would, whoever would listen, he would tell this story. And that was probably the most true moment that I feel like I've ever had experiencing the Acts 2 church. And that's because we've been studying that we see this unshakable community developing. Last week we talked about how they were devoted people, how they, they showed up. They were people who were planted, who their, their roots were deep. And um, they came and they, and they were invested in the, in the community. And people were not easily shaken. That's why we, we chose that song to be our uh, theme song for this particular series that we won't be shaken. We won't be easily shaken. We won't be easily uprooted. We're going to be devoted to his church and to his people. And so today I want to take a little time to uh, look what the scripture says in Acts 2 in verses 42 through 46. So will you look at the screen or in your Bible and read these along with me? Um, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. We talked about that verse in depth last week. And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
and they sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. So because the community was devoted, and because they shared together in prayer and fellowship and teaching and meals, the scripture says the, the result of that, because they were doing those things, was this deep sense of awe. This deep sense of awe came over them. And because the apostles, the, the teaching was dynamite, God was, God was working when, when they spoke and they spoke God's word, God moved. The result of this community was that they were devoted and that they were full of awe. And all of these things, I think the, the, it worked in both directions. The devotion, because they were committed and planted, fed the awe, and then the awe fed the devotion. And so they worked in tandem with each other. They were, they were full of awe and full of devotion to one another and to the church. And that word awe is really painting this picture of the fear of God. The fear of God. In fact, uh, the way that verb is used in the scripture, it's described as this ongoing sense of awe. So it wasn't just uh, a momentary awe. It wasn't just when a miracle happened, they were like, wow, this is, wow, this is amazing. I mean, that, that was how they felt, but they lived in that, wow, this is amazing feeling all the time. They lived in that, wow, I am awe-filled at who God is, even when things were ordinary and status quo. They lived in this awe-filled state because the fear of God was constant and consistent, and the fear of God was really part of the early church's atmosphere. That was part of who they were. Because how many of you know God is not just an idea we talk about or a family tradition to be preserved? That God is a, a stark, fearsome, stunning, awesome, shocking, sovereign, present reality. That he is who he says he is. And he does what he says he will do. And he's not someone to mess with. That, 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 that God, whether we acknowledge that or not, is reality. And as a community, as the church in the 21st century, I, I believe that God is calling us to, to recapture that fear of who he is. To, to recapture the awe of who God is. To not take it for granted. To put God in his rightful place. To not boil it down to one 90-minute service, or if we really felt, you know, tinglys that day, or, or, or if, we, if God did a miracle, we'll, we'll be awed by him. But if he doesn't do a miracle, mm, we don't know. What God is asking us to live in and what the Acts Church lived in is that they recaptured their awe. They constantly were in awe of the fear of God. And, you know, the fear of God stands up to all other fears, the fear of God should trump all of our desires, all of our other fears. And as we grow as believers in Christ, our fear of God should increase immeasurably. Because this awe, this fear brings rest and wisdom and joy and, and life. It's a holy fear. I want to read to you some scriptures. Uh, actually, the scripture talks about the fear of God excessively. If you do a, you might want to do a study this week and just even look on Bible Gateway and put in awe or fear of God, and so many scriptures will come up, but let me read you a couple. Uh, Proverbs 14, 26 says, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Proverbs 19, 23, uh, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it rests satisfied. Psalm 112:1, praise the Lord, how joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. 
You know, uh, John Piper describes the fear of God like this, and I, I just love this um, example. It's, it's as if we were caught in a terrible storm while exploring the Arctic glacier. Now, don't go to winter too fast. This is just an example, okay? So we're, not, we're still in fall. But it's as if we're caught in this terrible storm while we're exploring the Arctic, and the storm is so strong that you feel like you're going to just blow right over the side of a cliff. Uh, but then you discover a cleft in the ice. And so you, you get in there, and, and you get some, some relief from the storm. You get into the shelter, and you hide. And even though you're safe, you watch as the storm goes by, and you're safe in that moment, but there's still this sort of trembling pleasure that you have in watching the storm go by. And he writes this um, in his book called The Pleasures of God. It says, At first there was a fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found a refuge and gained the hope that you would be safe. But not everything in the feeling called fear vanished from your heart, only the life-threatening part. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or be the adversary of such power. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the center of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. That's how he describes it. I loved it. An awe-filled community is a community that is full of the fear of God. And, and I believe that um, a community like this needs to exist in the world today where, where there are horrific shootings at, at nightclubs and millions of Syrian refugees with no place to live and riots in cities that marginalize minorities and, and countries with unstable nuclear weapons. There is a lot of things to fear in, in our particular generation. But an awe-filled community can trade all that fear for the fear of God himself. An awe-filled community can be in the middle of a terrible storm of culture and of hate and of things that we're dealing with, but know that we are safe within the fear of God. Fear is only ever disarmed by fear. Fear is only ever disarmed by fear. It's only the fear of something greater that disarms the fear of something lesser. It's only the fear of something greater that disarms the fear of something lesser. And as a community filled with awe, we can face any fear produced by this world because the fear of God stands up to every other fear. That the fear of God keeps us safe no matter what we're facing. That the fear of God disarms all other fears. Because when you put God in his rightful place, it creates an awe in you that you can face anything and know that the fear of God trumps it all. We see it um, in Israel in the valley of, of Elah. They're facing the Philistine army. And you probably are familiar with this story. Out comes this giant, this great warrior, Goliath. And, and he comes up against this army. One guy, one big guy. And he comes up against this army and he says, send me your best man. I, I, I'm going to fight them. I'm going to defeat them. And the army of Israel does something really, really brave. They go back in their tent for 40 days. <laughs> they see the giant. They're like, we out. And they go to their tent. And they wait in there. And, they, and they're fearful. They're not fearful of God. They're fearful of this, this Goliath. And, and this army doesn't have a military problem. In fact, they have everything they need. They're, they're fully equipped. 
with all the weapons that they need, but they are in fear because they have an awe problem. They're in their tents fearing because they forgot about the God who delivered them into the promised land. They forgot about the things that God already did. They don't have a military problem. They have lost the fear of God. And I often question that about us. Do we have an awe problem? Have we forgotten what God has done? Even in our past, have we, have we lost our fear of God, our awe in his presence? Have, have we lost our awe and so we've lost our devotion? Is the reason why we're not committed and planted and, and sold out to God's kingdom is because we have lost the awe in who God is? We, we've forgotten the things he's done for us as a community or personally in the past. But there's a, there's a guy in this story that doesn't have an awe problem. David shows up, and he's one little guy. He, he has a military problem. He doesn't have supplies. He doesn't have manpower. He doesn't even have a strategy. But David doesn't have an awe problem. David says, you know what? He reminds this, if you read the scripture, he says, you know what? The God I serve delivered the lion, and he delivered the bear. And he will deliver this Philistine this day. And David walks up. He marches up to the the giant with a silly shepherd's sling and five stones because the fear of God disarms his fear of the giant warrior. The fear of God disarms the other fear. And when our hearts are so filled with the awe of God, we are not easily captured by the other fears we face in the world. We aren't easily captured by that because we recapture our awe and we look at what God has done for us and what God has been faithful to and we can allow ourselves to fall peacefully into the fear of God and know that he is taking care of all of the other fears. And so I pray this morning, Jesus, recapture our awe. Re- recapture our awe individually, recapture our awe as families, recapture our awe as a church and as a community that the fear of God would drown out every other fear that we face, financially, physically, emotionally, anything that we face, God, that the fear of you would be above all else because God has been faithful to us. God has walked with us. We are like David. We can point to the things he has done and we can say, God, you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this and God, you're going to do this. (laughs) And we stand before you in confidence of that. We don't fear the future. We don't fear those things because you are faithful. So in the middle of all of this awe, uh, verse 43 says that the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You know, a miracle A miracle is is an event in the heart or the mind or the body or, or in nature that would not have come if God had not supernaturally intervened. That's what the definition of a miracle is. It wouldn't have happened unless God supernaturally intervened. In fact, a miracle is when the super meets the natural. A miracle is when the super meets the natural. It's a supernatural intrusion and an ordinary cause of effect. So in normal, uh, in normal, how we would walk and act and do, things would play out like this, but God supernaturally intervenes and the situation changes. And if you are a believer in Jesus, I think often we take for granted that we are walking miracles. That the human heart is hostile to God. Romans 8, 7 says, 
For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it never will. You don't have to be uh, blind at birth, get dunked in a tank, and come out and see to be a walking miracle. Let me tell you that the scripture says, if it wasn't for supernatural intervention, we would all be spiritually dead. If it wasn't for God supernaturally reaching out and meeting us right where our lives are, we would all be spiritually dead. And Jesus offers us a new life and a new heart so that we can be reconciled to God. And every step of becoming more like Jesus is by miracle, is by definition a miracle. Because our hearts are hostile to God. But he is the one who comes in and he intervenes and he helps us change and he helps us be new. And just that should create this deep awe in our heart. Just that should create this deep devotion that our spiritual life is a miracle. Yes, physical healings are miracles, and thank God for those things, but you don't have to be just physically healed or or watch something happen in front of you to realize that you are watching and part of a miracle. In fact, if you're here today and you have maybe said, you know, I've never seen a miracle. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, Jesus offers a miracle moment for you right now today. He, he says, you know what? You, you, I, I'm calling you. It's supernatural that you even have this inkling to take a step toward me. And I believe that today you can see a miracle if you choose to see it. Because you can let God intervene in the natural. You can let your heart turn toward God. You can confess with your lips and, and believe in your heart that he died on a cross for your sin. And you too can become a walking, living, breathing miracle. Right now. You could do it right now. From right where you're sitting. And God will intervene. The super will meet the natural. And something will change inside of you that will be a miracle. I don't know what miracles the, the, the scripture is talking about. It gives us some examples. But it says many miracles, many signs, many wonders. So it doesn't list them all. But the early church saw many miracles, people giving their hearts to Jesus. I, I believe that in, that in that passage, if we were to talk to, to them and say, what did you mean by that? That one of the things they would say they meant is that people were turning from their rebellious hearts to Jesus. And so we have miracles that happen here every single week at Hearing First in this church. Because God is supernaturally intervening and doing something that we could not do ourselves. I believe that they saw blind men being healed, lame people walking. And they experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit in this way. Now, Paul expresses God's goal in the supernatural spiritual gifts. And I want to look in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It says that the goal of the supernatural spiritual gifts, the goal of miracles, is that everything must be done so that the church may be built up. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So that the ecclesia will be built up. So that the meetings become movements. That's the whole purpose of the spiritual gifts. That the community would be strengthened. The purpose of every miracle, of every sign, of every wonder is so there would be building. There would be building up of faith, building up of hope, building up of holiness. And I believe that God wants miracles in the church today so it builds up the church to make God's name great. 
to make God's name great. The bonus is people get to live uh, healthy lives. They get to have physical manifestation of him. Maybe, maybe uh, emotionally or mentally there's healing. That's the bonus. But the point of the supernatural spiritual gifts is to make God's name great and to build up the church. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, If I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And Paul is reminding us, just like Mr. Newber shared last week, as he said last Sunday, so, so wisely, that gifts, that supernatural spiritual gifts are not the main thing. That miracles aren't the main thing. That healing and signs and wonders aren't the main thing. They're great. They're amazing. They're, 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 they're off-inspiring and all-filling, but they're not the main thing. What's the main thing? Love. Love is the main thing. Love is the thing that the community needs. And love is the thing that Jesus wants us to focus on in the community. And using supernatural gifts is one way to love. But everything must be done so the church is built up. And love builds up. Love builds up. There was a lot of love in the community of Acts 2. We see it all over the place. We see it in the way that they acted and the way that they responded to each other. And I have asked myself, Maybe we don't see the miraculous wonders and signs because of our lack of love in our community. Maybe, maybe if we just focused on loving each other more, that that would build the church up. And we weren't necessarily seeking the miracles and signs and gifts and supernatural wonders, but we were loving each other, that that would build up the church and then the miracles and signs and wonders would come out of that. In fact, a miracle would be that our hearts begin to care more about the lostness and the pain of others than about our own selfish plans and preferences. A miracle would be uh, when we position ourselves to love each other in a way that's so selfless that we don't worry about someone parking in our space outside. We don't get real angry when the Peach Street light isn't turning as fast as it needs to. The real moment of love that we would have is that we would say whatever, we, we, would, we would give up, we would surrender our own selfish preferences and our own selfish desires to say, God, what you want is what I want. Build up this church. Do what you want in it through whoever you want. And I will just come and love people as much as I can. That, that would be a real miracle. And when that happens, love builds up. And I believe that when we love, we can experience more of what the scripture would call the lesser gifts, more healing, more signs, and more wonders. When we begin to love each other, God releases his supernatural. The super meets the natural, and he builds up the church, and it feeds our awe, and our awe increases our devotion. And do you see how that all works together? And it builds this Acts 2 church that he designed it to be. So let's just look at verses 44 and 45. It says, And all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had, sold their property and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. So in response to the awe, in response to the fear of God, in response to the devotion, in response to the miracles, this is what they did. They met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions, and they shared with those in need. I really believe the awe of God and the absence of fear has a direct effect on the way we accumulate possessions. It has a direct effect on the way of what we share and what we give. 
Because if we are not afraid of not having enough, because we know that the fear of God disarms all of that fear, we can give generously. We can live freely. In the early church, the awe and the devotion of the people created this place where material possessions didn't have a huge value. The, the people wanted to serve people, not things. And they didn't have to have possessions to feel important or feel safe or, or feel their future was secure. They had the fear of God and all of those things. And so it was easy to say, oh, you need my new lawnmower? Sure, here you go. And not go cry about it, you know, in the, <laughs> in the corner. It was easy to give away things that we loved and that we had because it wasn't about those things. All that we have is God's and should be used for God. And these people um, in Jerusalem had been accustomed. In fact, the law uh, was to give a tenth, to give a tenth of what they had. And so they had been accustomed to that. And they were very, very faithful tithers. They were very faithful giving their tenth. But now we see, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the awe of God, it's not a tenth anymore. It's anything. It's, it's everything. And they gave to anyone who had need. No wonder there were miracles and signs in the early church with this kind of love, with this kind of freedom, with this kind of value on people and not things. No wonder miracles and signs and wonders birthed out of that love. And so we see that happening in the early church in Acts 2. In the last few weeks, uh, we have been using the end of the service as what I've been calling a Holy Spirit laboratory <laughs> Kind of a, a moment of time where I've been preaching a little shorter so we can have some response time by asking God to give us words of knowledge and wisdom and visions and prophetic words and tongues and interpretation and miracles. All those things where the super meets the natural. That's what we've been making space for. God, would you allow the super to meet the natural? And in 1 Corinthians 14, it talks a lot about spiritual gifts. And it says it does a lot of things for believers. It strengthens them. It encourages them. It comforts them. It edifies them. It builds them up. Doesn't that sound like what the scripture is saying that we need to do for the church? It, it helps us receive revelation. It, it gives us instruction. And as we've been talking about this, the content of these words or these messages that we give uh, should align with the word of God. It's always, with, if, if it's within the word of God, we know that there is truth to it. If it's outside the word of God, that it is not received, that it must be aligned with the word. And the fruit of these words offers us strength and encouragement and comfort and edification. And remember, the gifts are to build up the church. So if you have something that comes into your mind that isn't edifying, that isn't encouraging, then that's not from the Lord to the church. And so those are, that's something that you need to test because we need to share things that bear fruit of strength and encouragement and comfort. And we've talked about how the key to start flowing in the gifts of the Spirit is just to ask. That, that the gifts are gifts. They're not rewards. They're not earned by your merit. They're not because you've been really great this week or you've prayed this many hours or you've done something awesome for God. They're simply gifts that you receive when you ask. And they're just a greater measure of the grace of God. I've been so encouraged these past few weeks from what God is doing. Last week, if you were here, um, Valerie had a word, uh, that, a word of knowledge. And she came up and uh, she actually told me she touched her left side of her ear. And she said uh, that she felt like God told her there was a man that was experiencing pain on their right side. 
And in fact, she told me she went back and sat down with her son-in-law and said, I don't know why I was touching my left ear, but, you know, I did. And, and she came up here, she said, someone's experiencing uh, pain in their, in their right side, in their head, in their neck, and the doctor is saying that hearing will be lost. But she said, God is saying there's a miracle in the works and you're already healed. If you were here last week, you remember that she said that we prayed for that person. Well, this week, Howard texts me, and he says, I'm the one that Valerie was talking about. And she was so spot on that the doctor said that, yes, I have pain in the right, but my left ear is where the hearing was going to be lost. So that mistake that Valerie thought she made was no mistake. <laughs> that, was, that was the Holy Spirit showing her where to point and what to say. And, and Howard said that he had had immense pain in his neck, and the doctor had reported to him his hearing would be affected. But after we prayed for him, he's experienced no pain, and he's walking in full healing. And Howard's right over here. There he is. Raise his hand over there. Thank you, Jesus, that you did something to build up the church. That builds us up. That builds us hope. That builds us healing in that. That, that isn't just, that, that, that builds fear of God and awe of God. That the fear of God is bigger than any pain or any doctor diagnosis. That the fear of God is there. And that we can stand in awe because there's miracles that are happening where the super meets the natural. Now this morning, we're going to do that again. We're going to have a time where we're going to share. And I want to remind you uh, that if you're prompted to share this morning, to use the ABCs. We've been saying this every week. Be audible. Hold that microphone close to your mouth. If we can't hear you, it's not helpful, okay? Be audible. Be brief. Get right to the point. Don't apologize or explain the details and say only what God wants you to say. You can tell everyone else the rest of the story at lunch, okay? Just whatever God wants you to say, he'll fill in the details. And thirdly, be Christ-centered. Remember, this is all for Jesus. This all should honor Jesus. It all should point to Jesus. Many of you have awesome testimonies, and I believe there will be moments where we can share those. But this morning is a moment, if God is saying to you, go say this. That is what we want to hear, okay? Specific things for the common good of the community. Audible, brief, Christ-centered. ABC, audible, brief, and Christ-centered. So the worship team's going to come up and get in their spots. And um, I'm going to ask Brett to come up as well. And I'm going to ask you to prepare your heart and ask God if there's anything he wants uh, to share that is for the common good, that is for the good of the community. Because we want to be a movement, not just a meeting. We want to be expectant and hungry and awe-filled. We want to be awe-filled. So we're actually going to start this morning's time uh, with Brett. He's, gonna, he's prepared a, a, a dance that he feels like God has just been prompting him to share. And um, if you have that microphone, uh, I'm going to have Brett share just a minute what God's been speaking to him before he does that. And then I'll come back and we'll pray and sing a worship song. And then if you feel that you have something to share, you just come on down here where the pastors are sitting and um, they have some paper for you. You can maybe write it out. They'll sort of help you get your thoughts organized. And then we'll come up and have that time of sharing. Okay? So, Brett, why don't you come on over here? Tell us a little bit about what God, um, kind of how God got you to this place that you're about to share. Well, coming in this morning, I was, I was planning to do this dance. But um, I know God was telling me that some people will benefit from hearing this message. But one person in particular, I suffered from clinical depression. Um, for 10 years uh, with strong, clinical, deep, dark 
um, times, and um, I feel like there's a person maybe is out here listening to me, and those moments can be very deep and dark and hopeless. Um, and you can be sitting there and wanting a miracle for yourself. Wait upon the Lord. He will, he will take you in his time. For me, it was 10 years. For you, it can be today or tomorrow. Just keep crying out his name. Um, he, has, he has done it for you. And so um, this is hope for you. Okay, so this is really my hope for you. As I walk this great unknown, questions come and questions go. Was there purpose for the pain? Did I cry these tears in vain? I don't want to live in fear I want to trust that you are near Trust your grace can be seen In both triumph and tragedy I have this Sometimes my faith feels thin Like the night will never end Will you catch every tear Or will you just leave me here I have this You are with me and you won't let
All right. Awesome. Would you stand up? Would you, would you stand and let's just worship together? God, we ask and invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to fill us with your gifts, Lord. Fill us with words and, and encouragement for the common good of this community. Lord, we want to be filled with awe because you are awesome, and we want to fear you above all other fears. And so, God, we walk in trusting and knowing that you're going to do the miraculous today. And, God, as we sing this song, we know that in Christ alone, you are our cornerstone. God, we trust you. Move in us today. Open up. your Give us your gifts. They're not rewards, but they're gifts. And, Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. See you. 
trying to be brief for me is difficult, but I'll do my best. Um, I've had his burden for a couple of weeks with you, with the church. Um, I, I'm, the Lord's trying to tell me to tell you not to, to encourage you not to give up. Some of you are unemployed and, um, you know, you've, you're looking for a job and you say, geez, I'm giving up. No, God's he's still in it. Some of you, God's telling you to keep, that you need, God's speaking to you about tithing. And, um, and you're, you're, you're saying, geez, I can't afford to, but and you're bringing the verge of doing it and God's saying, don't give up. Some of you are, um, you know, feel like you don't even want to come to church here anymore because you don't feel like you've been loved or, or accepted. Or maybe you don't find a place where you belong. God's saying, don't quit. Just keep coming. Don't give up. Um, you know, the, the difficulty you're going through is the reason why you're here. Some of you have come to the church because you've had it. You've just said, I've had enough. But that's why the Lord's brought you here. He's telling you not to give up. He's on the He's right there at the edge. He's going he's gonna to do it. Trust him. Don't give up. You got to fight for what you got to keep fighting. You're a soldier. God's enlisted you into the work of God. You're not, you're not, Bible says, do not be entangled with civilian, civilian areas, but do the work of a soldier. He's, he's, he's brought you to this body for that purpose, to be a soldier for him. You have to have, put the, let the Lord use that trial that you're in and burn out the flesh. The burnout, the difficult, those things in your life that you're, that you're holding on, that's like, like the pastor said, that you're letting fear come in. Let him burn that out and so you can be strong. That's why you're going through the trial. That's why you're going through it. He's drawing you, so don't give up. When uh, Bob said that, it just made me think of when we need a second wind. So if you feel like you need a second wind on something, just kind of raise your hand. And if people are around you, put your arms, put your hands around them. Just touch them on their shoulders. Let me just pray. We'll pray through that word that to build up the church. Father, we thank you right now for those that are facing uh, things they need perseverance for. God, we need a second wind at times to deal with these situations that we're facing. And so, Lord, I pray right now that your freshness of your Holy Spirit would fall upon these people, God, that need a fresh anointing, a fresh second wind, Lord God, that they could finish strong. Lord, even as they begin their work week tomorrow, God, that it would look different than it has last week. Lord God, we receive this word that you're trying to say through Bob, and we pray in the name of Jesus that you would seal it and that you would do something new and that you would build our community up. We're trusting you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. I needed to share something so that people realize that if you believe in a miracle, it will happen. My husband and I were in an accident where the car was totaled and when it my friend came to the hospital and prayed over me, and then they had to take me out to see how bad it was. And when I came back, my nurse came in, and he said, I've never seen anything like this. He said, your friend went next door, and she prayed with this granddaughter that I had declared her grandmother dead. And they had gone up and prayed over the grandmother. And the 
nurse was crying, he said, she came back to life. He said, I had declared her dead and she came back to life. And during that whole thing, I kept thinking about the tapestry where they say you never know why God does things that are bad because you never see there's a reason for it. Had I not had that experience and I saw the tapestry from the top and I saw why he had that accident and why I had broken bones and why my friend came to the hospital, you have to believe and I truly believe. just want to give a word of confirmation to the message uh, Pastor Nicole gave this morning. Last night, um, as we were driving home, I was with the Cafardis. We were coming home from a small group. The conversation turned to um, the fear of the Lord. And I was commenting how important it was as a young person that um, somehow uh, it was instilled in me uh, the awesome authority that the Lord has. And there was this fear of the Lord that um, gripped me at, at an early age, actually. And in Proverbs 1, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And um, I just want to encourage you. Um, so often today, I think we think of the Lord. Uh, he loves us. But he's also a God who... Um, is a God who directs us. He has mercy for us. He's also a God of judgment. And everything in history is pointing to that day when he returns. And we will stand before him. And we'll give an account of, of our life and where our priorities were. So I want to encourage you today. As you think about that, this message that we heard this morning, ask the Lord to grow the fear of the Lord in your heart. Ask him to show you how you can demonstrate that to your kids. Ask him how you can uh, show you how you can share that with your neighbors, that this God is a God that everything is pointing to. All things are for his glory. And we will, we will answer to him, but he loves us and he calls us. Praise the Lord. Just to kind of
confirmation to um, what Pastor Nicole preached this morning and also uh, Brother Bob when he got up. I just want to say to somebody, don't retreat. Go get your stuff. Don't retreat. Go get your stuff. Some of us are telling people that we're still waiting for God to do something. God promised you that it was yours. And you're still telling people that you're waiting for it. What it is, is you're fearful because you've come to that point where it's time for you to take possession of it, to take hold of it, and you face an obstacle, or you face rejection, or someone tells you you can't have it. So it may not be your personality to be aggressive and go take it. So you take a back seat, you step back, and you tell yourself, maybe God is not saying, maybe not yet. Maybe it's not time yet. So you begin to convince yourself that maybe it's not time for you to have that thing. It's yours. God said it was yours. So don't retreat. Go get your stuff. Praise the Lord. Today, while we are listening to the song, what could... Uh cleanse us of our sins, nothing but the blood of Jesus. He put it on my heart to remind everybody today that he gave his whole being for us, his whole body, his blood, his soul, his spirit. And in Isaiah 53, 5, I wrote this down this morning in my car before I came in. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. And it brought it to my mind that when we take communion, as Pastor Jim said last month when we took communion, when he broke that piece of bread, that was Jesus' body and it was broken for us. And as we just partake in the element and we eat it, that is digested into our bodies, it's turned into nutrients to our blood and it is carried through our whole body, that the body of Christ is in us and our healing is in his body. And it's here today for you and next month, it's coming up next Sunday, when you take communion again, to remember as you eat that bread that that is the body of Christ and he gave it for you and for your healing that you are made whole in his body. Amen. Just take a minute if you're a believer in Jesus and just tell him thank you for that word that Noah said that he died on a cross for our sin, that his blood shed is what makes us possible to be with him. And if you're not a believer in Jesus, I... I urge you to consider what God is doing in your heart right now, to let the super meet the natural. What you're feeling is from him, and so I just encourage you to walk that out. So I was singing this words, he is Lord of all, um, and God is telling me that there's someone here that's saying those words, that God is Lord of all, but they don't really understand it. Um, they're letting a situation that happened or something that they didn't do um, impact the way that they perceive that. Um, and I just want to encourage you that no matter what it is, um, that God is the Lord of that and that he's going to get you through that and you're going to be better for it.
try to do this as best as I can. So um, I just wanted to share the miracle that God has created inside of me. I wasn't always the best role model, I would say. And the, the miracle that he created inside of me was he allowed me to see through other people's eyes and perspective of the things that I've done to them in their lives and to help me understand why those things happen and to help me get a better relationship with others that I've hurt in my life. So this message was, I believe he told me, was specifically for one person and I would have shared it with them outside of coming to church, but I feel that he wanted me to share this with everybody. So he basically told me, he said, I am the Lord, your God. I knock on the door of your heart with patience, tender, love, and forgiveness and healing. Do not let your troubles cause doubt and what I have already created. Walk most importantly in love and forgiveness with everyone you in your path. And I will heal you. I created you and I and only I have the power to, no one else. mother who um, whose son was in Dominica uh, he survived Irma he survived Jose and then Maria came through and devastated the island where he was and fear just went through me and I um, I want to thank everyone that's prayed for him because after days of um, being so terrified that he was found and He's on his way home. And I want to say thank you to everyone from the bottom of my heart and everyone who has that, who has that fear and thinks that maybe God isn't listening. He is. And I am proof of that. And I thank you so much. Mary Beth, I thought of you when we were singing Through the Storm. <laughs> You are Lord, very literally, through the storm, you are Lord of all, and God was faithful, and I'm so thankful for that. Thank you so much. Can we just sing that part, just, just briefly? service for today, Alicia.
So when we started singing that song the first time, I just got this picture of um, this guy like hanging off the side of a cliff and kind of feeling like he didn't have any more of his own strength and like the situation was hopeless and that um, there was just nothing else that he could do. But then in that moment, God was standing there at the edge of the cliff and all he needed to do was just reach his hand up and that God's there at the end. Uh, you know, when you feel hopeless and like you have no more strength, that God's there to, ready to just pull you up and be there for you and just to seek his face and to look to him. a scripture yesterday and it just really touched my heart because I've been waiting for God to move in my own life and this is what he gave me Isaiah 64 4 since ancient times no one has heard no ear has perceived no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. In the waiting is when God prepares you to step into what he's already designed you to do. And it's in the waiting that God works. And so don't give up. God does work. And it will be in his perfect time, in his perfect season for you to achieve what he wants you to achieve. So um, while everyone's sharing about how we're going to face the Lord and, and how he's so kind, even though there's the fear of the Lord, the Lord gave me this verse in uh, Jude 24, and it says, Now to him who is able to keep you without stumbling or slipping or falling, and to present you unblemished, blameless, and faultless before the presence of his glory and triumphant joy and exaltation with unspeakable ecstatic delight. And I was getting the picture of a bride walking down the aisle to her bridegroom, and their eyes meet. And that's what we have to look forward to when we love the Lord, that he's preparing us and he's, his strength in us is going to keep us. And there will be that moment. And then we get to be with him forever. Judy. a neighbor who has a type of dementia and yesterday I just invited her to go grocery shopping with me just because she's lonely and um, we're driving down Buffalo Road and she starts talking about church and God and, and I said he wants to come and live in your heart Jesus wants to forgive you of your sins do you know who he is and she kind of knew and but she said I never heard he wanted to live in my heart I never heard that before and so right there in the parking lot of the store where we were going, she accepted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And I believe that God can use us no matter where we are or what the circumstances. I didn't think that that was gonna happen. I thought I was gonna get groceries. Thank you, thank you, Judy. All right. Margaret, share with us the last word for today, but I wanna encourage you guys to keep asking Jesus to show up just like Judy, just like that happened to her through the week, uh, cause he will. 
church is our family. And so many of you know that my husband was having total double knee replacement this week. It was very, very hard. But I did not know what the sermon would be on today. But we experienced the Acts 2.42. Our church family was praying for Jeff and I before the surgery, during and after. And he was moved Friday to rehab. And he exceeded all their goals. And so you are all so important. We are to love each other, to stand beside each other, lift each other up. That's what carried us through. And I thank you. Thank you. All right. So would you stand just for one minute? We're going to uh, leave here in a second. If you need to go to lunch, we understand, or grab your kid, no problem. But we're going to sing this last chorus together. It's been our anthem for this complete series about we together will not be shaken because of the God that we serve, that we can be awe-filled, expecting miracles, devoted, and know that that gets crank, you know, gets each other, it goes together, it begets each other, and so we're thankful for that. Thanks for coming to church today, and we will see you next week. Let's just sing this chorus out to end today, in Jesus' name. extra prayer this week. Uh, you can come on down here. The pastors will be here. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday.